Welcome to the premiere episode of Me and Virgil, a Genesis Brothers podcast. I'm Alex C. Talanda, brother one, and I'm joined here by my, my brother, Dan Talanda. How are you doing, Dan? Greetings. I'm doing very well and very excited to be here. Greetings to you too, bro. Our first podcast together, even though I've got a few under my belt. Exactly, listeners. You'll probably recognize this guy's voice from certain other podcasts, depending what you're into. If you're into your sci-fi stuff, you know, and horror and extra, etc., you might recognize this guy's voice. But we're not here to talk about sci-fi or any audio dramas for a change. Here we're no. here to talk about Genesis, our favorite band of all time. Indeed. The main yes. reason we're doing this is, well, we're both huge, massive Genesis fans and have been for over 30 years now, I was working out. Which Correct. sounds like a lot, but then also the band has been going for over 50 years, so technically it's not that much. But um, they, they beat us by that, yeah. The main reason I, I came with the wanted to do this, and then when I got in touch with Dan, he said, oh, I'm all game for it too, because I want to do the same thing. We both really, really got fully obsessed with Genesis I feel like in our later teenage years and into our 20s, when we kind of went in our, kind of separated, went in our respective areas. Dan, you live in Berlin. Um, I live in California now and have since the late 90s. And it feels like when we really got obsessed with the band, we weren't close to each other anymore and weren't able to share in our obsessions as much. Plus, this was the early 2000s when technology wasn't as good for Zooming and doing things like we are doing right now. And so I'd feel like we we really, you know, got into our obsession with the band, but weren't able to share it as much as we would have liked to have done had we lived close to each other. Hence this idea for a podcast and a chance for us to, even though we live on separate sides of the world, to hang out more often and chat about this music that has literally changed and influenced our lives in so many ways. Would you agree? <laughs> Absolutely. And why not? You know, <laughs> nicely, nicely put. And you can't have too many Genesis podcasts, right? Never. Never. Well, exactly. And I think with this one, you know, we're not, it's going to be a little bit different, this one. And we're going to be sharing uh, our thoughts and ideas about certain areas that the bands have done, mm -hmm. everything from the live stuff, live material to certain albums that have affected us. But we will be going through those gradually as well. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting road to take. And we're very, very excited, of course. Yeah, basically, this is not your ordinary Genesis podcast where we start at the beginning and go through each album and give mm -hmm. our views. We will be covering albums, but we'll we'll be up for anything. And I think uh, as we get listeners, and if you're interested in submitting ideas too, I'm sure we'd be open to absolutely taking different subjects as well. We would be more yeah. than happy to discuss that too. Yes. So this is episode one from Genesis to Obsession, yes. where we kind of talk about how we got into Genesis, how we discovered Genesis. We're waiting for you. Come and join us now. We need you with us. Come and join us now. I'll start with uh, my story and my history, and then Dan will give his. Mm -hmm. So, because we have to go back, as Phil said. So what we're going to do now is go back to the dark, distant, slightly damp 70s. Into the dark, distant, well, he said 70s, but I'm going to say 90s, 90s. at this point. <laughs> the dark, distant 90s, 
Um, to the best I can recall, I was trying to work out the dates exactly. It's all nebulous. I was born in 1979, so I'm thinking it was around sometime in 1990 or 91. Um, I remember being in a music class, and I remember the teacher's name was Mr. Spinks. Um, I don't really remember much learning much about music in the class or learning any instruments or anything like that. I'm not really sure what we did for a whole year. But I do remember a project they had us do once with... Um, I must have been, what was I must have been at that point? 11 or 12, around that. Um, and they had us do a project, basically do a project on a music artist you like. And I remember thinking, I don't even listen to music. What the hell am I going to do? I don't know anyone. <laughs> and I remember my friend, I think it was my friend Robert Thubron, so I remember his name for some uh -huh. reason, said he liked Phil Collins. And I'm like, Phil Collins? Okay, that's a name. <laughs> I might have heard of that before. And then proceeded to go through my parents' music collection and found But Seriously mm. and started listening to that. thinking this is actually very good i think i might like music <laughs> i think i might like this guy named phil collins and again this is all very uh possibly apocryphal because i don't remember how much of the details on this and stuff but um i do remember doing the project which was like a two-page paper thing on phil i don't know what the hell i wrote but all i remember doing was i cut up the, this was a cassette tape about seriously and I cut up the liner notes and stuck like pictures and I don't really know what onto the two page thing that I turned in and basically destroyed the album cover and inlay <laughs> notes <laughs> that's all I really remember of that but it started my journey into Genesis um and then after that, this is why I was pretty sure it was around 1991, because that was, you know, after But Seriously had come out in 89, and then there was all the But Seriously tour and really putting Phil, after the Invisible Touch stuff that launched them to megastardom, But Seriously launched Phil even higher into his megastardom mm -hmm. with the largest world tour and all this stuff. So that was when in 1991, in the autumn, that We Can't Dance came out. Mm. And I remember getting that for, it would have been for Christmas, I think. Yeah. And then discovering, I'm not really sure how it led on to Genesis, probably because of TV or something on, seeing stuff on TV talking about Phil in Genesis or something in some way. So basically, whatever the next thing that Phil was going to be involved in, I looked at and wanted to get. And so it was this album, We Can't Dance, with this unusual looking cover or a father and son in a weird depiction on a field. <laughs> um, but then that was my first Genesis album and that instantly converted me. I fell in love with every song. Yeah. 
for a long time, I'd say maybe 20 years or so, 15 to 20 years, it was my favorite Genesis album. It has not stayed that way, but we will get find out that in a future episode, mm -hmm. in the next episode, actually, of yes. what our favorites are. Um, but that kind of started me on the roll to becoming fully obsessed into Genesis. Um, and then we had the We Can't Dance tour, um, and this was where we got the videotape recording of Genesis at uh, at Nedworth, wasn't it? That's right. And you said, we were talking recently about this, and you said it was one of our well former teachers and, and the mother of a friend of mine who recorded it for us, right? It was, uh, as far as I remember, it was our second grade teacher, and she mm. provided us with a VHS yeah, recording, and the concert was a live broadcast but Sky Movies Plus was broadcasting the concert, which was quite surprising. That Wait, you remember what channel it was? Yeah, That's I impressive. I, I, I do not remember the channel. I very vividly remember it. And um, I will share this within my journey too, but very briefly that, yeah, we got provided it. Mm -hmm. And because we didn't have Sky at the time, we you mm -hmm. know, we were, we were a bit broke at the time as well. Uh, lots of stuff had happened with us. And so... We were living in these apartments um, after living in this huge house. But um, yeah, we didn't have Sky or anything. And we got this videotape because we knew Phil Collins was on it with his band Genesis. And that was mm -hmm. the live broadcast of them at Nebworth, uh, 2nd of August as well. I, I do remember the date, but I, was, I just wanted to confirm it today as well. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we, we got that and we watched that thing to death. Oh, we sure did. Um, yeah, and just I think it must have been the first time actually seeing really a live show for me too, and just yeah. being like, "Yeah, my God, this is amazing!" I yes. didn't know like music could be this cool and have these you know lights and TV screens and giant screens and jumbotrons and all this stuff going on that you could even do that. And the music was just transcendent, I think, for me, just converting me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to point out though; I do remember there was um, a bit wrong with the recording. It must have been something with the videotape. Yeah. And it was during the guitar solo of Further Fifth in the old medley thing. To this day, even when I hear that Further Fifth, especially in the old medley version, I have to, like, I feel my body stop for a second just to make sure it's going to go okay. <laughs> and it does each time. But it's like it's like the, um, the bit where Phil, during Live Aid, messed up on Against All Odds on oh, the piano, yeah. which I had... I had that as a recording for some reason for years too and would play it. I don't know why I kept it because it's like, it's just a muffed up song. Why would you keep it? But, and even my wife would point out, what, why do we have that? Even I hear it that way. But that, that's, that was what it was equivalent to me of like, each time I hear the song, I'm still like, it's going to be okay, right? Oh, good. It's okay. Yeah. Because it was kind of like a bad videotape. The problems of videotape, which we don't have anymore because we have digital. Mm. Anyway, so that's kind of a how I got introduced at the beginning there and led on to many things later on. But let's move on, Dan, to your origin story with Genesis and how you remember it and fitting it with mine. Well, I kind of, this is interesting, right? It's, this is this is exactly the reason why we chose to 
create start this podcast so we can talk about this because even though it's like another Genesis and podcast. And possibly argue about it too. Absolutely. But it's interesting that we not only probably will get to hear things new, either from ourselves or from, you know, people who listen, from you fine folks who are listening, might might hear some new mm-hmm. stories about this. But you would think, uh, being brothers who were living together at the time, that we would know their own stories about how they got into their favorite band of all time. Yet... This is brand new to me. I had no idea. This is what <laughs> this is what got <laughs> my own brother into our favorite band of all time. I had no idea about that. You see, uh, and I think again because we were young kids at the time, it wasn't necessarily something we were going to talk about as as you would have an adult conversation about true, because we were kids. True, true. And this yeah. is why, yeah, this is such a wonderful thing to do. Absolutely. And it's kind of weird though with me because to me, I don't recall the first time ever hearing like phil collins it was definitely phil collins first we were yeah the whole family yeah was aware of phil collins i guess through well actually i i knew phil collins of phil collins through genesis through the whole invisible touch era that's for sure uh, i just remember hearing the song i mean obviously you know the album came out when i was five so i wasn't gonna remember it back then but i just do remember like the big tunes of the late 80s hearing them I very vividly remember probably some of the first time ever listening to music as well, which is very important to me because I'm I'm a full time musician today. So I remember hearing still in my head back then Invisible Touch medley, but also things like Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. You know, that was kind of around in my head, too. So I remember definitely loving music already from this sort of stuff. Now, did we're uh, quick because I'm trying to remember this, too, for your drumming that started with pre Phil or Genesis then, did it? Uh, no, 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 no. I remember very vividly when mm-hmm. the whole drumming thing began. Um, yes, uh, that's also true. I'm, I'm a drummer as well, professional drummer. Uh, also um, left-handed, like dear Uncle Phil, which I feel very, mm-hmm. very special, very special about and pleased about. So Phil came first, right? And then the drumming came from Phil, right? Exactly. The Phil, yeah, the, yeah, the Phil came first. Excuse me. Phil came first. So we, <laughs> and I do recall, and I felt very. The drum fill, if you will. Exactly. I remember watching the trailer for the We Can't Dance album Mm -hmm. on TV as well. And Mm -hmm. it was... was, And it was also my starting to imagine what the song rest of the song was going to be like because it was just... It was the pre-chorus part of No Son of Mine showing the video of it. That was Mm -hmm. the trailer. And I thought that's kind of how the song started. (laughs) I was just instantly thinking like, Mm -hmm. oh, so the song must start with, oh, he sat me down to talk to me. And then I started to come up with my own lyrics and just carried on with that melody, not being aware that that was the chorus. So I remember that at the time. So that's how far back we're going. And then the next thing is is then getting this videotape. But real quick, go back to the drumming bit, because I remember you doing drumming. And this was before you had your first drum kit, you were drumming on... Exactly. Uh, we had pots and pans and, well, actually it was pots and then hard cover books. Uh, and you were using... Yeah, yeah. But that came... That, your that's, that still came a little bit later spoons. on. That still came a little bit later on mm-hmm. because... We but want... the point I wanted to make was that was in our big house. So well, that was still... I mean, it was a little earlier maybe than... 90 or 91 i don't know i'm oh. trying to work out oh no 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 the drum i remember that being in the big house mm, then i don't no no it did not start at all until we got this uh, video and we were watching it mm. and as i said we watched it to death the only tunes we knew that i knew at least was um stuff from the weekend dance album and invisible touch Everything else was completely... What we might have to do is have a follow-up episode where we bring our mother on here and she can set the story straight. Because in my mind, we're in our old house and I remember you getting your first drum kit. I don't know how old you were. 
as a as a present and um and i remember being in our old house but anyway that's, oh that's minor well, details that we can that, solve that's later that, on yeah that'll be later yeah <laughs> um no yeah and then we watched that concert to death and it was actually during that concert that we kept watching it and what re-watching it that mm -hmm. we got the idea you and i to replicate the concert and we wanted to like do it ourselves mm -hmm. and i don't know where it came from but there happened to be a keyboard in the house i have no idea where it came from and I don't know if you remember this, but then you... a small one was it? Probably no. Or... Actually, it was, was a, it a big it was one? a reasonable sized one. Um, I think it was probably as I was getting more into Genesis yes. and wanting because I, yes. I always identify. I don't know why I connected. Like I love Phil, but I always connected with Tony and what he well, was doing on the keys. Exactly, like, and I connected more. So I cool. connected more with Phil naturally because um, yeah. I think between the two of us, I was slightly the more outgoing type bloke and everything and so mm -hmm. i was like well you're very tony front man and we just said okay well let's let's try and recreate this concert it's like well and it's like well i can play the keys and it's like well then i guess i'll sing and i guess i'll do the drums spoiler alert i could not play the keys <laughs> i just thought i could no but your intelligence though just had you literally work out yeah. the chords you know i can't remember if they actually were the right chords but they didn't sound like no they were not though they were never the right chords <laughs> i just want to let you know dan it was never the they right were probably never the right chords I, I was just making noise but they were in shoe they I, were I'm, they I'm were in glad tune, there's no recording know. yeah I'm glad there's no recording surviving anywhere because what I was playing was just bad. What you were playing was correct. What I was playing <laughs> was bad. But I think the keyboard came from, again, me being into that and then our mum finding a, I think, a used keyboard from yeah, somewhere. Yeah. At a car boot sale or something. And that's how it ended up in the house. Yeah. I don't recall the moment where I just said, oh, drums, cool. I think it was just literally because I was like, well, I guess I'll be Phil Collins and sing. And But then at the same time, I thought, well, instead mm -hmm. of me just singing and then running to my pretend drum kit, I'll just drum at the same time. So I'll be Chester and Phil. And then that just proceeded from there. Yeah. And then for the next four years, I just <laughs> got more and more obsessed with it. And yes, then came out the pots and the pans and the folders. And my mom got, our mom got hold of like tambourines from the school. That's right. Plus yeah. an actual an actual pair of drumsticks because I used candlesticks, mm -hmm. but they did not last candles. very long. <laughs> so I got hold of sticks. A lot and of broken then... candles in those days. Exactly. And then that's where it came from. The, the My next four years of my life, I just was playing whatever I could hear. I then got into Queen massively as well. It's like my second favorite band mm -hmm. and got into them as well. So I was using that plus my bed as a drum yep, kit right. and, use, and basically playing using my the floor as my bass drum just something on the floor jumping on the floor yeah exactly and i probably again we'll need our mum to confirm this but it was either my 15th or my 16th birthday i think my 15th because it was 96 where i finally got a drum kit um and then within a year i was playing gigs though i was just thinking i suppose it does make sense um because you know as kids where you know you're playing with whatever superheroes action mm. figures and all this stuff and now you're just you know transferring that to musicians and wanting to be them and emulate them and be like them and just it makes that's sense. that's that's actually very very interesting way to put it yeah and a lot more uh, a lot more likely of a career as a drummer instead of a you know superhero <laughs> yes well that's the thing and i gotta thank phil for that and i guess i have to thank uh, i do have to thank our second grade teacher for that video uh, to do it because um, mm -hmm, I definitely. do I do recall expressing without this, that we might not have well yeah. exactly and I recall expressing this in an interview from a, a singer who wanted to interview people and he interviewed me whilst on tour mm -hmm. many years ago 
And I said, this was the concert that was going to change my life. And I wasn't even aware of it at the time, you know, but it changed all our lives, realistically. Concert, it did change yeah. our lives, mm -hmm. all of our lives, realistically, because it impacted us in such a big way. And they did win the Billboard Award that year for best tour. So that That's also too. true. That's also true. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've developed a obsessed slash probably biased opinion of the band that I just love every single note that they do, you know, regardless of what people may think That's of it, thing. you know, it's... so or review. Everyone or, is entitled to their own opinion, critics. hence this podcast yeah exactly and i'm sure that and i do recall i think there was times where you you kind of kept jumping from era to era like you liked the phil era at one point then you liked the gabe peter era at one point well that's what i want to want to actually that's what i want to talk about next actually so um now there was that documentary kind of thing. I think it was, but was that before the the gig on the tape? Tape? Do you remember that was like a little? Oh, bit of, that's right. It was like twenty minutes. Yes. short documentary thing. There was like a little. Yeah, yeah. I, I I found out through YouTube not too long ago actually that that was yeah. the opening night documentary in a much longer version. Yeah. That was just a recorded version. And it's on YouTube and yeah. everything. Well, actually, we'll we'll link it in here into yeah, the notes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but again, it went back to all from the beginning with Peter and the mm. whole band and how they started and stuff and did that very cool thing. I just remember seeing when you see Peter singing. I know what like and then it beautifully transitions to phil singing yes. it on the tour i know what i yes. like you know and, stuff like that. and so that's where we learned i feel that the band had much more of a larger catalog than we had any idea of exactly and then we got to find out about peter gabriel and steve hackett and all these former members of theirs of theirs as well and thankfully got into them as well and i'm sure a lot of people just thought like well they just have two to three albums invisible touch weekend dance and probably the mm -hmm. The Mama Slash Shape albums before that, whatever you want to call it, you know, mm -hmm. and you just think, oh no, no, darling, these have much, so um, much more. <laughs> this, this this rabbit hole goes much, much deeper with this band. But talking about us, this is where I feel I, I note down here. It's like it's diverging paths for us because I fully became obsessed. I think with Phil and loving his mm. voice, and so I think this is where you started getting everything from the band. I figured mm. again, it was a lot to do with the. The the I think it was the Sunday car boot sale or market Sunday market where you would pick up all the tapes and everything, and I would pick up everything up to Phil, but nothing pre Phil because I, I heard Peter. I was like, no, it's not Phil, so I don't yeah. like it. So I'm just just totally ensconced in Phil. Whereas you opened your catalog to everything, yeah. Peter and his solo stuff. And did you get Steve Hackett stuff too? Do you oh, know? not until many many years later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you got all the Peter stuff, I remember. I did. And I really yeah. remember. And like, it feels it feels harsh for me to say this now, but I remember like hearing you playing all the Peter stuff and his solo stuff. Be like, what is that horrible music? I don't like it. You know, <laughs> it's not Phil singing Genesis. It's not real. Yeah, and like I said, I think like through Genesis, my uh, my love for music just developed, and thinking like, wow, there's just so much 
that one can do with this and this particular band. They, that, that's why mm-hmm. I just love them because it's interesting when people they say, okay, well, in the 70s, Genesis was the progressive rock band, and in the 80s, they became the pop band. To me, I, I, I don't consider myself to be a progressive rock fan. I know that you are into Yes and bands like this, you know, but I never really got into that, and I'm sure I would, but I just love the the diversity, the versatility that the that the band had because mm-hmm. they always just regarded themselves as songwriters, never musicians. They always wanted to just write songs, hence why they went through just so many so many transitions over time. But again, that is also going to be a, a, a subject for another episode. So, But here, here's the thing about, I think it was early pandemic, honestly, I started going through, I decided to go, I'm going to go through all of prog rock as much as I can because in my day job delivering the post, I get to just listen to music and whatever mm. I want all the time. And so I was like, I'm going to listen to a whole bunch of prog rock. I get recommendations from everyone, all these prog bands. Yes, Rush, King Crimson, whatever it is, you know, fire it all <laughs> at me. And I went through all their albums and stuff. And it's and I made up a little playlist on on Spotify of like, oh, I like this song, I like right. this song with this band, and stuff like that. But after listening to everything, it's like, okay, this is some of these are okay, yeah. but nothing is close to Genesis in my right, mind. Right. Like nothing even comes even close. Like with just all of those plenty of band, you know, what's his name? The um, was he from Yes, the keyboard player, Rick Wakeman. I remember his name now. Right now. See, that's how much little I know. Yeah, I mean, and everyone sees him as like, oh, the pinnacle of a yeah. keyboard player, and just after hearing was like. Okay, but he uses the same sound every time. Right. If you right. listen to Tony, starting right from Trespass, like he starts to use different sounds each album that like no other band I hear I've listened to was ever doing. They're all using the same sort of organ Mellotron type thing, and Tony's just doing different sounds all yep. the time that I had never heard yep. before on a keyboard. Like, there's no band like no, this. No, and actually, it was. I mean, it's also Tony. I just love, I loved watching Tony perform as well. I loved his technique in and how he performs the keyboards. And I got to learn keyboards a little bit only just a few years back. Mm-hmm. But particularly the way he just he hits a single note and then his hand just like sort of just raises up from the keys. So graceful. It's like like ballet. Yeah, so <laughs> gracefully. And I find myself doing that mm-hmm. as well because I just feel like it just feels such a natural way because it's almost like he, you're hitting the note and it's almost like your hand is controlling how it's ringing, how it's resonating. And I absolutely love that. Well, and I, and I, I don't even see it as like he's not even so much playing the keys. It's like he's stroking the keys, you know? Yeah. I think he did get recognized eventually that there's a few years back he got voted, I think, in fifth position mm-hmm. as greatest prog 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 keyboard of all time you remember, I remember got number one uh i can't remember who it was but right. i remember tony accepting yeah. the awards and of course him quoting saying you were voted 12th best keyboard player in the world and i said to him who the f- were the other 11 so, <laughs> i mean uh, i just say you know maybe he hasn't been recognized quite as the rock god keyboard player that he is but i think he's doing okay for himself i mean he is he is last year genesis with their final tour were the largest grossing 
band out there, basically. <laughs> they made the most money last year. Obviously, Tony Banks never really got the full recognition as a solo artist, as did Phil and mm-hmm. Mike, Steve, and Peter. Yet, Tony Smith says... Mike you know, still is. <laughs> yeah, Mike's still, still going. going. Mike's still going. And Steve as well. He'll, he'll, and Peter as well, in fact. I know, and I always loved Tony, their, their manager, Tony Smith's quote, when he says... No, I always describe Tony as the conscience of the band. You know, it's not to deny that everyone else had a very, very important role. But for Tony, Genesis was his solo career. And I could not agree right. more he is his, than that because... He has his hand in every song, pretty much. Yes, he, he has the say, <laughs> the first and final say. Yeah, yeah. a lot of it was arguing, usually with Peter, but he has his fingerprints, as it says, on every song. And I think, Actually, I think it was in a, a recent uh, interview, I can't which magazine it was for, he, he actually said, I basically played a part in every single Genesis song. Yeah, and that's why when we wanted to, like, us, us ourselves as our little, you know, 10, 12-year-old, as we were at the time, that we wanted to replicate the concert, the, the Nebworth concert, I said, okay, well, to us, no, absolutely no offense to the guitar or the bass or anything. It was like, okay, what instruments mm-hmm. do we want to replicate? Well, let's replicate the voice and the drums and the keyboards. So how would you say it's impacted your life going on into adulthood and having a family and things like that? It has. Being a Genesis. Yeah, fan. well, as I said, it's it's got me into, it got me into drumming, into music, Mm-hmm. I I was very interested in hotel management at the time. Like what? That's right. I when I was yeah, so I was uh, I think sixteen, and uh, where we were living in Spain, um, in, in south coast, south yep. coast of Spain, the Costa del Sol, we were living in a little town just outside Malaga, and in Marbella there was a hotel Swiss management school, and and we went there on a school trip. Do you know what it was called? Oh the oh I thought wasn't that the name of it? Hotel Swiss management school. It was called, I remember the French word, Le Roche. Oh, I totally missed that. Okay. <laughs> it was Le Roche Hotel Management oh, School. Okay. Yeah. I never knew that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I remember going on the. I don't know why that sticks in my yeah. head. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it. You were going to do <laughs> yes. it. And I remember going there and I was very interested in, in, in what comes from it and everything. I was very intrigued. I was still drumming at the time and I, and I managed to land the job as the new drummer in the band of the town at the time you know uh, it was the band and we were living in in we were living in Fangarola uh at the time and it was that the, the band of the of the coast for those not sure where it is if you uh, if you look up Gibraltar on the map and then just move your finger slowly <laughs> to the right a little bit like a couple inches yeah go past Marbella and you get to get to it if you get to that's where we are. if you get to Malaga you've gone too far go back yeah between those two and so i Landed the job as the new drummer in, in the band at the time, and I was really excited about that. Mm-hmm. And then, but to me, it was still hotel management and all that stuff, of course. And our dad was very excited about it, the businessman that he was. Because, you know, you can't make a career as a musician. You need to have a good professional <laughs> exactly. career. And hotel management's the way to exactly. go. Exactly. Because... And I, we, we also, yeah. I also got involved in the theater at the time as well, singing and dancing there. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is just the entertainment. It's drumming and singing and dancing. But hotel management, that's where it's at. Until I had my very first gig with the band. And the band was very popular at the time anyway. They were mostly a Swedish band as well. So there was a lot of very nice looking Swedish girls in the audience. And then, of course, after the very first song, um, this huge screaming reaction came back. And I was just like, wow, this is awesome. And then, of course, I had a little moment. This is what an audience sounds like for you. Even more so than the theater because, you know. Well, theater, they're just kind of just 
clapping bravo bravo yeah it's very yeah, different yeah. very different setup and then and the, and the, and the, the the average age there is about 62 so, yeah. <laughs> yes whereas the average age where i the, where the average age where i was at the time was about 16 so yeah and and mm. then i had the little drum solo moment and because up That's until right. then i was like i really like this and then up until my drum solo moment then i did it screaming girls once again and the singer said that's our new drummer danny and that was it for me i was just like I'm... and this is liar right dan the, the band, band was called liar, the band right? was called liar so yeah. yeah and the lead guitar player actually i still yeah. i still kind of work with today <laughs> in a slightly different um aspect of things but we're still very much in touch with today and yeah but that was the moment that was it for me i just said all right that's it i'm gonna just completely change my major like that i still i still kept with the, the theater because I, I was really into the the singing dancing slash acting as well so it's always been the entertainment side of things so pretty much the complete opposite of anthony phillips which was like he had the first gigs and he's like i can't do this very true and you're like i have to do this <laughs> this is uh, what i was right, born right. for it's complete opposite <laughs> completely op- completely opposite very true and then it just took me from it just took off from there, and I I just kept drumming, and I was I became I was becoming very mm-hmm. popular in the, I think I was, beca- I was becoming the drummer in town, and everyone just yep. wanted me. Do you want to know why you're becoming the popular drummer, Dan? Because unlike yeah. a lot of other drummers, you were good at it. Right. Yes. Uh, a bad well, drummer I... will ruin a band. A good drummer can fix a bad band. Well, that was the thing, and I think the 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 li- the band liar that I was in, the drummer that they had, he was mm. he was he was okay, it was good, but it was just a bit stiff. And apparently with me, when I got into the band, I opened them up a lot more. Like John Mayhew. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the, the, the stiffness of Trespass. Uh, and so, yeah, from then on, I just kept playing and playing. But then but then I, I kind of wanted to, I thought, well, you know, I, I kind of, I'm intrigued to now see what else is out there. And then our cousin, um, he had a three, mm-hmm. he took on a three-month course at this music school in London as a guitarist. Oh. And he came back. He he didn't he didn't like it because he didn't like that they were kind of telling him what to how to play. But he thought it'd be quite interesting for me. And he came back and he he gave me a brochure. And long story short, I think about a year mm-hmm. later, I'm leaving the nest and moving to London, and joining this uh, music school. And again, thanks to my love and obsession. You want to give the name of the school? The the name of the school at the time was called the Powerhouse. Um, oh. The Powerhouse Music School. Mm-hmm. It has been changed since then, uh, and it's now just known as uh, well. It drum basically it was it was separate. It was categorized into the instrument into the instruments. So I joined drum tech department. I think it's called Drum X now or something like this. I'm not too sure, but so I joined the drum tech department. And not thanks Brand to, X, right? Not Brand X. No. Oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> but thanks to my not just obsession with drumming, but my love for music. You see, mm-hmm. I thankfully through thanks to that and Phil and everyone, I got into uh, the number five position, a bit like Tony with his uh, <laughs> keyboard nomination uh, award. I got into the number five position in the first group of mm-hmm. of in the drumming school out of 10. So I was in oh, like cool. top five, basically rated as top five drummers out of, uh, I think it was um, close to 80 or something like this. So it was a lot of students there. Very nice. So Good. I instantly felt very like special about that. And again, thanks to me being the lefty, um for the graduation performance oh maybe singled you out it, yeah for the mm-hmm. for the graduation performance um we got to be the last band so they they didn't have to swap the kit around yeah. all the time so <laughs> so they said you, you got to do all the encores you can either open the show or you can end the show and i was like 
please yeah. <laughs> we're gonna close it baby <laughs> and from then on i just i've just been drumming ever since and i absolutely adore it and and love it you know i've i've, to, I've branched out a bit in doing other things but mm-hmm. i absolutely still love it to this very day and will continue love doing it until uh my last until the hands don't hold the sticks anymore yeah, it's, I've, I've been enjoying sharing the knowledge as well to other people i'm a, mm-hmm. te- I'm a teacher mm-hmm. as well and i've yeah. been teaching students for many many years and it's a wonderful just to share this with them uh just to and to see how not just that it could be a fun instrument but also of course you know it takes focus and concentration which is also a great thing for for kids to look at and to learn mm-hmm. and they can have a real fun time with it too i, I will say that you know to make the joke about oh you want to be a musician yeah good luck with that and stuff but we did see with you dan yeah like well, you knew you were good but also you always put in all the hard work and the practice to actually make yourself yeah. better and improve. Yeah. And you never said that you, you're you're ready now, you're the drummer and you're done. It was always, you know, improving and getting better and better no matter how far along you were. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. what I really believe that you could make a career out of it, which you have done. Yeah. And that's what I've really enjoyed with it as well, that it just, it's, there's always something new to learn, you know, whether it's a new piece of music or a new thing to learn on the drums as well. Plus the biggest thing I'm grateful for is that it's taking me in vast parts of the world. I mean, all the way from... The, the 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 very end of Western civilization to L.A. to the the eastern shores of Russia and Vladivostok, you know. So which uh, which if you go the long way around the world is pretty far, but if you go the other way, it's actually not that far from L.A. It's actually not that far. No, no, <laughs> through time to the, On the other right. side of the Pacific, I guess. It's a big ocean, but yeah. Yes, and and that's and that's what's really been amazing about it is that be like, well, if I never again looked back at that video, that mm-hmm. video cassette, uh, which by the way. I still have in my possession, so we can maybe share a photograph of that or whatever. But I still have the videotape. Oh, it's on YouTube too. Right? Oh, you still got the actual tape? That's cool. I've, I have the actual the tape, tape, yeah. and I did. I did try to take. I did try because I, I still actually have a VHS player because there's still a couple mm-hmm. of tapes I have that are from from my theater days uh, that I wish to convert to uh, mm-hmm. digital. And uh, and I think I did try to play the Genesis tape, but either the tape started to mess up or the the player oh, no. started to mess up. So I was like, oh, nope, no. take it out. <laughs> I do not too want old. anything to happen to this. Too used, too thin. <laughs> it, it is it is like thirty years old, you know, thirty odd years mm-hmm. old. This tape. So and I'm quite amazed that it can still uh, still looks in good condition. But mm-hmm. so I will never never part with it because this yep. was I will put it in a golden box and say and I'll always <laughs> just what it'll be it like all. my my sh- my shrine that I pray to every morning, you know. So with a pair of sticks and say thank you. As uh, is it Don? I can't remember if it's Don Henley. I don't think it's Don Henley. Someone from the Eagles on there. Um, Hell freezes over um, mm. when they say when they're about to do um, take it easy, and he says, "And this is where it, it all started." started. Mm. Um, as for me, an impact on my life. I did not become a musician at all. As much as I would have loved to have become an awesome keyboard player like Tony, and I still want to learn to play the piano one day, but it just hasn't happened. Okay. But still, their their catalog of music has kept me company many times as I've been writing away mm. um, as a writer, which is my preferred career. I'm also postman, but um, mm. I did feel like going through the years and the decades of I felt kind of lonely in that I was obsessed with all this wonderful music of Genesis and I felt very alone like I couldn't find any other people <laughs> that were as into it um there were a few people who knew about it or whatever like that I would chat with and stuff but not as not to my level of obsession and it's only been in the last like five years I'd say as I gotten found podcasts and and gotten to, onto various message boards and different things like that I actually started sharing with people that I were like oh there are some nuts out there that are just as 
crazy and obsessed as me, and even more obsessed as I see on the Genesis Discord I'm on now, where they're talking about very inane mm. details that I really don't care about. But mm. it's nice to have found this, and it feels like this is the right time to do this podcast because I don't think I could have done it earlier. You know, mm. so um, I remember you saying this is going to lead on to our um, next segment, which uh, will hopefully make it a recurring segment called the Drum Bit, where we have Dan talk about drumming because ah. he knows about it and we don't. <laughs> Um, I remember you saying at Powerhouse, one of the songs you did, yes. uh, because of its unusual drum pattern, tempo, whatever you say, turn it on again. Would you like to talk about that and what's special about That's it? very true. Yes, because um, every term, every week in, in the drum school there was, there was every Wednesday, I remember, there was what's called a live performance workshop. So a song would be taught in a lesson and then you would go and perform it in front of the students and every student would perform that so you have the drummers the guitarists the bass players and the singers and they would all perform the same song as a unit you see one after another and there was like you know each term there was a different genre of music there was the rock genre the pop genre you know jazz and there was one where it says prog rock and i thought oh i wonder are they going to be there and it says yes they are it's like oh what's one just gonna be and then it said oh turn it on again it's like it, at first i was kind of like ah oh. but then i thought okay i get that and even the teacher said well you know we wanted to sh i mean we thought let's not make it too crazy i mean we the singer the, the teacher even joked about saying well we could have maybe thrown fourth or fifth in there but we thought let's not go too mad here apocalypse nine eight <laughs> yeah yes exactly so we thought, let's do Turn It On again. And I was super excited. And my very good friend, um, who was the bass player, also very much into Genesis. And we actually went to the reunion concert together in 2008. Um, he was very excited for me uh, because of that, because we've been talking about them for so many years and we mm -hmm. connected through Peter Gabriel. So, mm -hmm. so the day came when we performed it. And <laughs> apparently I would have got, I got very high marks for that. Uh, I got very high marks in that entire term, actually, in the prog rock term. The highest mark I got was actually performing um, Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who. That was one of the songs. For the Turn It On Again one, it was slightly lower. And the thing is, because I, I had been listening to it for so many years, but the live version. And what's interesting is, is that mm -hmm. what Chester Thompson, here, another hero of mine. By the way, do you remember which live version it was? Oh, well, no, the, the, what we performed was the original version. It was the original version. So Yeah, uh, the, the live version you're, refer you're referencing that you kept hearing, you're listening oh, to. Oh, the live version, well, I presume from the, the Nebworth show. And then, of course, going back over there, over the catalog, mm. um, then it will be through the Three Sides Live. I guess that'll be the next version that I heard. Three Sides Live is running the first And yeah. there's yeah. a particular fills that, that Chester did, does, which is slightly different to what Phil did. Mm -hmm. Basically, whenever it comes to the moment where right before it jumps back into the verses again uh when it has the do 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 um phil he does it with two hands right he uses both his hands to create this fill right using two different drums Whereas with Chester, very interestingly, he only used single hands, single-handed hits. So instead of Phil, both his hands just going blah, 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 Chester actually kind of went like right, left, right, left. I chose to do that mm -hmm. way because I really loved what Chester did. The Chester way, right? The Chester way, yes. Because he was also mm -hmm. a massive, he became also a massive hero of mine because the, the fills that he mm -hmm. did 
just made super sense. And what really I learned a lot from Chester, especially, I mean, obviously Phil is my hero and everything, but what I learned from Chester more than anything is that if the drum fill works, then don't change it. Keep doing it. it. And that's what I learned. I said that drum fill works. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, I kind of know him as the drummer who had to replicate Phil Collins' drums. So I rarely actually know him Mm -hmm. as a drummer who would perform his own way, you know. And so here's a guy who would always have to be replicating Phil's parts. But he was some. He would a lot yep. of times put his own stamp on it, and some of these fills mm-hmm. he would do. I'd just be like, I would actually say, oh, that fill actually his fills fills fill <laughs> tongue twister makes great sense. But Chester's fill right there, right. I would use that, and and it works. Which I think shows um, how important Phil was. I'm sure he said, you know. I'm not going to tell you exactly how to do it. You don't have to play it exactly like yes. me. I know you're a fantastic drummer who has a big history before yes. playing with Genesis. You do what you do best and I'll let you do it sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. But because of that, doing that particular way, doing the Chester way, with the live performance workshop, they the teacher wanted us to kind of stick more to the original. So the teacher said, mm-hmm. oh, um, you know, I would have liked you have to do it this way. That's why I got slightly lower marks. And then what was kind of real quick though? Let me just interject one thing real quick while we're talking about the subject of Chester Phil with this, um, only because I learned this kind of recently. Yeah, the reason Daryl Sturmer got the job is because Mike, I think, was in New York in whatever it was '78, um, was uh, auditioning a bunch of guitarists. But then he did had had, had Daryl do his audition. And he says, "Okay, you got the job." And he's yeah. like, well, "Why did I get the job?" And he says, "Because." You played what I wanted you to play. You didn't do your own thing, and because you want to show off as a guitarist and whatever, mm. you're the you know the other rhythm guitarist. You're the helper to me. You played what I asked you to play, and you played it how I wanted you to play. You didn't do your own thing, which is kind of a flip to what Chester did, which is making it his own thing, which made it unique. But anyway, sorry for the aside. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, I think probably Phil wanted that too because I mean, Phil's mm-hmm. first drummer that he had after he became the lead singer was Bill Bruford. And yep. Bill Bruford never plays Ooh. the same thing twice. <laughs> no, and he's totally unique and different, yeah. Very unique and different. So I guess Phil was open to that, which is totally fine, you know. So and yep. but yeah, I got I got slightly lower marks uh because I played it the Chester way, not the Phil way, which was mm. the original one. And so I brought this right. up to the teacher. I said, Oh, I you know, I actually wanted to, I was playing it like Chester. And the, the teacher, he knew exactly who I was talking about. What you talking about? He was like, Ah, mm-hmm. oh, right. And then he actually shared with me that he actually went to see Genesis at the very famous um, Lyceum concert in 1980 on the Duke tour. So he was at that performance and I instantly was just like, oh my God, we are not worthy. Hallowed ground. (laughs) So he he understood what I meant, you know. That was something pretty amazing to to be in the presence of this this guy. And uh, I still need to find out though because his name was actually Paul Elliott and he is from also from uh, Newcastle, which is where uh, Sting's from. And in Sting's biog mm. that I was reading, he says he was hanging out with a guy in Newcastle called Paul Elliott. So I still need to find out if it might be the same guy. Probably not. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, might he might have mentioned he was also. Whatever. It's unlikely because it is a bit of a common he, name. He but, might yeah. have mentioned he was also a drummer. I think that's what got me even more intrigued. And it would have been around the same time because he was a little older than me. So I don't know. Anyway, back to turn it on again. Um, isn't there something unusual about the song? Um, yes. With the particular drumming for where it's keeping the beat. And then as all other songs would just keep that single beat going. So at one point it does the you know a second beat in there. Yeah, it does an, it does an there, extra it? beat in there. So it's the entire thing is actually in 13, 13, 8. And mm-hmm. so and what's in- intriguing with this is that when Mike wrote it, he just showed the riff uh, to Phil. 
But he did hate Mike, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Rutherford. He had no idea that it was in an odd time. And Phil was like, you are aware that's in 13, right? He's like, what? <laughs> so, so, yeah. And if we were to basically count it in a way, so it's like um, one, two, three, and four, and five, and six, and seven, eight, and nine, and 10, and 11, and 12, 13. So there is this extra beat. So normally in, in a bar of music, there's four beats. Right, so here you've got three groups of four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five. And there's your extra beat there, you see. But they just they just went with that. I don't know. Phil could have, I mean, Mike could have easily said, okay, let's change it. Let's make it into a normal song. Yeah. No, yeah. I want to stick with it, or we're going to keep it because it's weird. No, and, and thankfully, uh, apart from that beat, the rest of the song is just a great rock pop tune, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just is so poppy. And thankfully, I'm <laughs> still quite amazed that that, uh, that still uh, was able to be quite a big hit for About them. a guy who wants to have sex with a TV, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all that stuff behind it too. But there was only, in, in the performance workshop though, uh, there was only one drummer out of all of us who didn't come very well prepared. He missed the mm. lesson to talk about the song. And I guess he wasn't really into Genesis that much because mm. when he played it, he totally did not interpret the extra beat. He did not play it. And he was he was the last one. He just kept playing, but he kept wondering what's going on. Why were he why he was off? He was off basically. Why like, am I off when everyone else is on? He was off basically every other cycle. So he really needed to turn it on again, didn't he? He really needed to turn it on again. But it was I mean, but there was someone else who did that who um who was very close to very closely associated with the band and that was good old Peter Gabriel <laughs> when they had the reunion mm-hmm. with him in 1982, 1982 to yeah. save to save peter from you know going under with the whole world mad festival peter did join on the drums for the first time but he didn't even he wasn't even the way of the extra beat yeah because they had to because phil had been drumming the whole concert and then because they were going to do a genesis song exactly they did salisbury hill and then phil had to come up and sing and so someone had to play drums and peter gabriel not everyone knows started as a drummer too exactly and so oh i got this i know what to do and then it's like what's going on and introducing for the first time ever on the drums mr peter gabriel yes because that was the the end of the abacab tour um even mike even mike during the time doing that same tour i think was also doing a bit of drumming uh, and who done it so the infamous song you want to bring that up this early well we could probably have i mean that probably alone is a whole podcast it is so but real quick is it thumbs up or thumbs down for you or has it or is it mid or has it changed no for me a total thumbs up like i said i am the biased obsessed okay. fan here and love every single thing they do um, um but i particularly love phil's um acknowledgement with it that he just says you know he'll see the crowd booing and going what the hell are you doing and he'll just love it and just yep. lav his head off like the like an evil person going i love it well, it was supposed to be their their uh uh critique on punk rock and stuff like that, oh, ex- it? exactly it that's what it was meant to be and... well again that was another case of they probably knew they'd written something very what one would consider not genesis but they just went with it and stuck with it and kept performing the thing well live. again these these are the songwriters you know and this was the time when they had their own mm-hmm. studio as well i think that's when they got the farm their own studio yep. so they had that was the first they farm. had yeah no more pressure of having to get things ready in time so to not keep burning mm-hmm. through the wallet and so they just had their time and i even think even though it sounds like a five minute song it, that you it, put together they in probably five did minutes, write it together it in five minutes and they you know and they chose at times just to be like you know what Let's not do anything more with this. And, you know, and people can say, oh, well, then that's a, they're selling out. But it's like, well, hang on. No, let's just, let's jump way back to 73 
they could have they could have just said like you know what with this song I know what I like well the chorus doesn't sound that great and let's just, let's extend it by like another five minutes with a solo and things like that they didn't they chose just to keep it like it is you see so yep. that's the songwriters in them that's why they would they would keep doing that it might have helped that it was just three of them instead of five you know to 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 have discussion that way you know well that's Not also a thing there's more room to breathe and less mm-hmm. less arguing as well. For me, um, for me, it's always it's, I've always put it up as Genesis' worst song, but um, I'd say over the last <laughs> five to ten years, I'd I don't say I like it necessarily, but the, the bar has moved up a bit. Right. But then I go. I also know I love songs that a lot of other people say is their worst one. Yes. Yeah. I can't dance. I, ah, I, right. I very yeah. back and right. forth with. But anyway, that's a di- that's a different episode of the songs we hate. We'll talk about songs we love. We should probably discuss as well, like uh, just as this is our intro episode the name of our podcast and why that's what i was about to lead to yeah because you know songs you love to hate or hate to love speaking of which another one me and virgil yes me and virgil so why why me and virgil uh i did some research on this yeah i did some research on one the me and virgil song but also we were throwing out names that we were starting to decide do we want to do a podcast together and genesis brothers wouldn't um as catchy as it was wasn't wouldn't Mm. give the full story of, of really just showing you know, it's related to Genesis and we're not, you know, related to Genesis in a familiar way. We're just huge mm. fans of them, but we're also mm. brothers. Um, so we had some names we threw out of, uh, I'm sorry, there was uh, Rail and John was one I was thinking of. Yeah, we basically wanted to kind of come up with like two, obviously two names within the Genesis yeah. uh, category. And of course, Rail was in there. Yeah. Obviously, if, if one if one of us identified as female, we could have gone with Duke and Duchess, but that wasn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Or Sarah Jane as well. <laughs> so no um, I, just throw, I think I might have thrown out Duke and Squonk or yep, something like yep. that. Yeah, also maybe. true. Um, but then me and Virgil, you know, because it actually is about brothers, as Phil reference says in the songs, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, that, that's the one that's going to stick. So I did a bit of research, what I could, from Scour the Internet. So it came out, um, it was a B-side in 1982 that was on the mm-hmm. 3x3 EP. Um, and actually, the I realized the cover, it's the three of them jumping in the air, and it actually replicates, or it's meant to replicate the um, the Beatles, one of the Beatles albums. Oh, oh that makes sense. Now. Okay. Yeah, where they're also jumping in the front, too. So, anyway, it was that. But... Um, so the details I got from Wiki, I found. Oh, well, also the the song is also on the Three Sides Live album, mm. and as you may know, there's multiple versions of the Three Sides yes. Live where you have your fourth side actually being live, mm. or your fourth side of B sides. But the Three Sides Live World Edition, it said, had okay. um, me and okay. Virgil B side on there along with the other ones. So Collins wrote the song "Me and Virgil" in the form of a story, a technique he will return to with the. 10-minute epic, Driving the Last Spike on mm. We Can't Dance. Um, mm-hmm. He has called the song a dog and cites me and Virgil <laughs> as one of his worst ever pieces of writing. <laughs> According to Collins, the group was trying to do something similar to the work of the band, but, in quotes, we couldn't. The right. uh, B-sides that were on that um, fourth side of Three Sides Live were also added onto the Genesis Archive 2, Paper Late, and you might recall, but me and Virgil was noticeably absent on there because <laughs> of Phil's dislike for the song. Uh, I did interestingly find um, the auction site that had the handwritten lyrics of that Phil wrote for the oh, song wow. that got auctioned off at some point. And I'll include the link on the show notes for this. And it sold for $1,600. My God. Wow. Um, 
And then I was um, shocked to find actually it was, even though Phil really hated the song, it was performed live in 1981. Yeah, I would love to know who made that decision. I, you well, and you would think, because Phil, I mean, it definitely feels like over the years, Phil has basically made the call on a lot of set list stuff. Again, because he has to sing the damn thing, so he should do. But true, also just true. being like, we're not going to do that song or I don't want to. But they did perform it live. And what was really cool about it is um, Phil has a bit of an intro. It's in Barcelona, so he does some of it in Spanish, but there's an intro where he talks about it's a song of cowboys. Um, and the two brothers' names, as we learn, because it's me and Virgil, so we're not sure who the other brother's name is, and we learn it's Virgil and Daniel. Yes. Therefore, the perfect name for this show is since, Dan, you're actually named in the song, so it has to be me and Virgil. Una, una canzone de cowboys. Dos, dos chicos, Daniel and Virgil. So then perhaps in future episodes we need to address each other as Daniel and Virgil? I could, but it might be confusing for us. <laughs> yes, or it could be just run as both. Also, you know. Virgil isn't exactly a very nice name. It's very old-fashioned cowboy mm, in my opinion. Mm. Part of Phil's... Phil's Old West songs that he loved. Well, I guess they they could be then our our um, podcast stage names. So then you know, <laughs> I am Dan, known as Daniel, and this is Alex, known as Virgil. So yes, <laughs> so yes, we we figured that was a suitable uh, a suitable title for the show. Fits very nicely as well. Genesis Brothers and. You know, they're obviously their mum is mentioned in this, which yep. probably isn't that important. But our mother is very much she alive. She is very much alive. FYI. Do not worry. So yes, and our and our father, <laughs> our dad is also still very much around as well. So while they have divorced and split through the history, uh, we are still in touch with yeah, them too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, we in a way, I mean, the brothers then took off. You know, on with the horses and carriages, and they took off together. We didn't take off together. We took off our own in our own times, but we still took off and left the nest individually. And you do have children now, like like Daniel does. Yeah, yes, exactly. So a wife it's and a, it's, quite, it's yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. perfect. Pretty perfect. All right, so that brings us kind of to the end of this episode, and so let's talk a little bit about what some of our future episodes are going to be about. Yeah, so for our next episode then, we thought we would discuss, um, which is a mighty hard discussion. I will still have to go through it. Our top Genesis songs, potentially even like five favorite top Genesis songs, why as well, and our favorite like members, basically like all the things that we like with about the band. Uh, hence the potential title of the next episode, I Know What I Like. And it could be tricky because I don't know if you do you you change I'm sure over time about what your favorite thing is and stuff too I get right with such a huge catalog. Oh goodness, yes. I think I think with the albums, I think it's pretty much setting stone. It has been for a long, mm. long time, but I won't mm-hmm. I won't give it away now. And uh, obviously, there will we will go the other way and we'll you know bring forth least favorite and. But that'll be later on, L- much later on. We'll Let's talk about, about the good, good stuff. stuff yeah, I'm sure in the bias to me, I can find things in there to say. Well, you know, I'm not such a big fan of this. So. And then our first. Uh sort of album quote album episode you want we want to do we can't dance right well i figured because that was the album that really introduced us to the band to music so we thought let's do let's do that mm-hmm. one as the special album feature episode because it, it did make such a big impact in our lives at the time as well and i still remember the trailer for it and well okay i'll give one small spoiler it is also in my top three of their albums as well that's a little spoiler for the next episode so Ooh. yes 
Here's another spoiler for me. It is not in mine. Okay. But it was, you mentioned. It used to be. It used to be, though, you said. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. No, I, I would I would go back and forth, you know, but I still come back to it. And probably because of knowing it for so long and getting it as it was released as well, that it just has that, that I guess it's a childhood memory as well, a strong memory I have with Nostalgia. It, mm-hmm. Very nostalgic. Yeah, very nostalgic as well. So, yes, mm-hmm. that will be episode three. And meanwhile, though, for the next episode, yes, this will be... The I know what I like, and then we'll be covering um, various other things along the way. Obviously, the live stuff. We won't give the we're trying to be witty with our episode titles, so we won't give those away. But we'll be covering you know the um, the BBC broadcast album mm-hmm. that came out pretty Absolutely. recently, um, solo stuff. Exactly, uh, uh, favorite lyrics as well. The archives, yep, and transitions mm-hmm. as well, and the, the transformations that the band went through as well, and. Yeah, just lots of various things. Uh, bands covering their music as well. So we're just basically just having very broad minds about this and just bringing right. forth our views. We'll talk about anything as long as it's involving Genesis. Involving Genesis as well. And of course, you know, you are welcome, listeners, uh, to any any ideas you have as well, any questions you kind of wonder about the band and want to know our thoughts on it or you have your own thoughts as well to share, then please feel free to share it with us as well. And you can uh, reach us at meandvirgilpod at gmail.com and give any thoughts or feelings about this episode and the podcast in general. And again, if you want to Submit any ideas for episodes, things you'd like us to talk about. Send them in. We can probably get pretty technical if we want to, but I don't think I want to get too obsessive and crazy about the minor details. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do an episode where every time they screwed up. (laughs) The bloopers episode, yes. (laughs) Um, But yes, that's me and Virgil, pod at gmail.com. That's right. Um, But I think that's all we've got for this episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Yep, thank you very much. We look forward to... Many future episodes. We don't know how often we'll be releasing, but we'll do what we can around our schedules and mm-hmm. get them out as quick as we can. Absolutely, um, yes. But for now, I'm Alex C. Talander, and with AKA me is... Virgil, yes. And <laughs> I am I am Dan Talander, aka Daniel. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you all again. Well,